This is the Kingdom Movement Podcast, a place where we will explore through conversation how discipleship, theology, and community really can transform our world. This is uh, Jake and Paulo back for another episode of the Kingdom Movement podcast. Uh, last episode, we had a great discussion about worship, and Tiamo's with us again uh, to discuss our next core value, which is family. I'm really excited to dive into this one, but go ahead and say hi, guys. First. Hi. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one, and I'm excited to have Tiamo here because I feel like it's just these three different culture you know american Botswana, yeah. <laughs> and mozambican you know and coming and discuss or talk about family so i just feel like yeah. it's a very yeah diverse. that's true i didn't <laughs> even think about that dynamic. <laughs> yeah that's gonna be good yeah. um so maybe we'll just start off kind of to create that's a great intro to this question uh what does family mean or look like to us right because i think it's really easy um for all of us we take what we know and we mm. say this is what family is but honestly, all of us have probably grown up in a very unique to each other family yeah. background. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Obviously, there's similarities in family, but um, family dynamics are different for all of us. So what does family mean to you guys? What does it look like? What is maybe we'll focus on healthy family? How would you define that? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, um, I will look. I will talk about like family and the aspect of my blood relatives yeah. and stuff and then family that I've gained over the years. I think with a healthy family with my family, I would love to think we are healthy mm. because of communication and the love that is around there. Because we so easily can say, oh, you're not doing this right and then work on it, not hate each other for yeah. it. And I know it's like really small, but like I know my brother and my sister and I don't really bicker and fight. Mm. So over the years, it's been I know that family is a place where love lives. Yeah. So that's how I viewed my blood family, including like my extended family, because we're all really tight and really close. So it's a place of a community. I know if something is wrong, I can easily go to like my aunt or my uncle and stuff. And then family that I've gained over the years is like there's parts of my life that my close family or my relatives cannot do for me. Hmm. But I know certain people have shown up for me. And and it's people that have shown me love in ways that I cannot explain. And there's people that have built me to be the person that I am. Um, I think people usually say like it takes a... A whole community to raise a child mm. and that community that i've built and i've learned to know now has built me to who i am today yeah. i think that's how i see family i see family as a place of love and a place where you can easily be corrected in love yeah and even what i'm hearing from you is kind of defines and helps shape who you are in yes. a way right mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah uh, i would want you to comment on what she said the whole community you know 
uh, what you say, we'll raise a child, take the whole yeah. community to raise a child because I want some. I want to understand about your culture. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> Hillary. I think Hillary Clinton's the one that said it. <laughs> but no, I mean, no, but, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, but for me, family, it was. It, it's kind of funny because uh, for me, it was kind of a mixed of you know, you know the, these two families that I had. I grew up with my um, with my grandparents, you know. And then at the end, you know, twice a year, I would go and visit my, 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 my parents and my brothers, you know, and all my siblings and everything. And then in my, in, in my parents' house, you know, I had all these kind of 15 young people, you know, all together with relatives, you know, cousins and my, my siblings, you know, we mm. grew up all together because it was two families sharing one big plot of land with each with his house, his kitchen, but we would all play together, you know. So I had this big place, you know, big family, you know, with all 15 um, young people I could go and play with them, you know. But then I would go back to my grandparents, it was yeah. just my, twins, my twin sister and I and my cousin, so it was only three of us. So for me, it was just this mix of two mm. sides, you know. Mm. So it, now that I grew up, I kind of see how confusing that was for me to just kind of like, no, like what is like exactly family so so yeah like for me that was kind of it uh so even now for me just i feel like i'm still trying to discover you know what mm. is family that's not like christianity you know like kingdom mm. movement for mm. example in mozambique you know because for me that that's where I, I learned about like having a family that's not real blood your blood relative yeah you know? mm. so it's a, I, I just feel like I'm still in this journey of figuring it out. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, I'll talk about me personally and then what I think, like, kind of the defining marks of family might be. But, um, yeah, I think growing up, my family was definitely, it's, it's funny because, like, something about Africa that I really think is kind of a cool perspective that would not fly in the states <laughs> is okay so like you have the i'm already going off on a tangent sorry but, uh, <laughs> but like uh if there's a kid out in the street right and he's doing something he shouldn't there's no like uh what would you say there's no problem with just some lady walking down the street to be like you know like wanaka knock it off you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying like mm -hmm. that's not a problem in fact you should do that right yeah. Because you're looking out for someone else's kid. Mm -hmm. But if you were to correct someone else's kid in the States, that, oh, bro, you'd probably get, like, sued or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that it, you, it's very much, like, within your cluster. Mm -hmm. So your immediate family. So mom, dad, siblings, maybe grandparents. There's room for correction. There's room for, like, um, that space to be the place where that stuff happens. But outside of that there's really been kind of a stripped away authority. People don't have necessarily. So the mm. family becomes, depending on how healthy it is, a very tight-knit mm. place, but it also becomes a very defining place. Your parents, your siblings, I feel like, become your really the things that shape you, right? Mm. And um, uh, the individualism of the states kind of creates this, you know, feeding into identity like yourself you are supposed to kind of make your own identity but for me personally i feel like my parents um definitely encouraged me in all the right things they really wanted to make sure that i grew up in faith you know what i mean and um yeah i think it just became i i love my family i don't know anything outside of it right mm -hmm. um 
but I also grew up an only child, right? I didn't really have like all these people around me all the time. So I feel like it was either my very close friend group that really kind of shaped me and then my parents as well, right? Whether it be through personality or how I was raised. Um, but I can definitely see how that made me a, an like an independent person. My mom's a very strong-willed person. I'm also a bit strong-willed. So you can see those, how they shaped you personality where mm -hmm. I, but I think the biggest aspects of family um, that I think carry over into all aspects of life and how I can see it in my own family is like, one family is a definition of loyalty, right? Like mm -hmm. most tribalism is built around loyalty yeah. to blood, right? Mm -hmm. it, that's a huge thing. Like you're my family, even if I don't like you, right? Yeah. You annoy me. I, you're the cousin I don't want to play with. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But if someone were to punch that cousin in the face, oh. it's on, right? You, you know, family's <laughs> coming to get their back. Um, and that, that is so unique to family. Like, you know what I mean? Like nowhere, no other dynamic, no other community would you not really even get along with someone but feel an obligation to them, yeah. if that makes sense, yeah. right? And then I think it is in the African setting, like um, it is very much like your parents have authority over your life. Like that authority exists in the States, but it's almost being chipped away more and more and more, like even to the point where it's like some parents are getting sued that they're not letting their kid change their gender at like the age 10, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that authority is being taken away yeah. from parents in a way. Thankfully that's not how it is so much for our family, but like there is a hierarchy if you will, right? That there is people who have gone before who have experiences that can speak to the younger generation, but that younger generation also has passion and energy that can bring a new dynamic to the family, yeah. right? And I think that's a part of family dynamic that um, exists in all families, right? That mm -hmm. there is kind of a high hierarchy of learning, let's yeah. say. The grandparents have taught your parents who teach you that, you know, and it goes yeah. on from generation. So there's loyalty, there's kind of a hierarchy of learning, if you will. Um, and there is an authoritative um, uh, structure to it as well, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just everyone's on an equal playing field and everyone has the same knowledge base, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think, so there's loyalty, there's hierarchy, there's love, right? And love in the definition of family isn't just like, oh, I feel really good right now towards you, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are times my mom ticked me off, but like I always, I would never say that I didn't love my mom. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's interesting that within our families that have raised us, love is not defined by how we feel towards someone. But when we talk about romantic relationships, mm -hmm. it's always based on feelings. You know what I mean? So anyways, <laughs> which is the person you're gonna start a family with? You get it. But anyways, <laughs> So I think there's love, there's loyalty, there's hierarchy or structure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, can you guys think of any other things from your perspectives that are defined by family? Hmm. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. um, this is me, Paulo, I'm glad you prefaced that uh, in our earlier conversation, I'm a details guy, because I'm already bringing it into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that definition, right? So we have loyalty to each other. We have l mutual love for one another, mutual respect. There is, uh, let's just say, a structure of learning from each other. How do you think we as Kingdom Movement specifically and then the people of God generally um, can reflect family? Because I think the Bible is very, very clear that God is not 
interested in building a religious institution. Yeah. He's interested in creating redeemed family. Yeah. And we'll talk a ton about that in the biblical series mm-hmm. as a theme that's coming up later on. But I want to specifically talk about it right here. How does redeemed family play out within the the disciples of Jesus dynamic? Because that's what we're supposed to be, right? Yeah. The Bible makes that clear. But what does that look like when you don't have that blood tie to make you kind of like, I have to like this cousin or I have to like my brother and sister. But that's kind of the language Jesus and Jesus and the early apostles are using for the church as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, I feel like that it's really tied to one of the big, big thing about the Bible, you know. And I feel like Paul, Paul talks a lot about it, which is justice, you know. Justice in the sense what my favorite definition of justice is just uh, to give someone what he deserves, you know. Mm. And I, so let's bring that into like just now as a family, you know. So we have, if we are really uh, God's, you know, God's creation and we're all sharing God's image and everything, you know. So the things that you deserve, I kind of deserve it you know the same way you kind of uh enjoy the place that god made you know like the earth and all the fruits and the trees and everything you know you kind of have the same right because we are all created by god you know and god placed everything around here to kind of come and help us you know in feed we, we feed out of all those things you know so i just feel like it's taking that perspective that even though because I earn more money, you know, because I have money, I have ability to cultivate the earth, you know, to do all these things, you know, mm-hmm. I have the responsibility to make sure that this person, you know, is also, I'm, I'm providing justice in the sense of the things that I am able to have, you know, I'm providing for this person mm-hmm. who can't, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy all these things, you know. So, for example, if I can work and I can be able to buy a fruit, you know, that someone else cannot be able to buy, you know, because they can't work, you know. So as a person who knows that that person is equal to me, that person is, you know, it's part of this family, you know, and, and it deserves the same things, you know, that I kind of enjoy, you know. So I will take that and I will provide for that person, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this idea of family, redeemed family starts from that, you know, from the sense that we have to understand we are all part of this big family. So whatever that I have, I am able to, and my brother is not able to because probably they, they are unemployed, probably they are in prison, probably they, they, they can't walk and everything, you know. But because these, we are all part of this family, you know, we have all this, I have to fight for them what you were saying about mm-hmm. family, you know. I have that responsibility to provide for them. Mm. So I just feel like that's how I would see. Yeah. Mm. Few Americans could probably feel it. This one included. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I really love this topic of family because it brings a lot of aspects to it. So I think the media lately encourages solitude and being Mm. alone. Mm. And very often we fall into that trap of being alone because I think that's where the devil can work on you most because he knows that there's no one you can turn to to help you because you have put yourself in this box where you don't want to be open with anyone and stuff. I still struggle with vulnerability, but I think that is what he's trying to stop Mm -hmm. because he knows invulnerability is where God can work most. So when it comes to like family, it's like 
a community that is everybody seeks belonging and usually like when we are in this place in life and walking the walks of life we want to belong somewhere so very often we belong where we're most accepted and we belong where we're most shown love and Mm. we belong where we're most where the first people that take me in is where I will choose to belong. Yes. Even if it's wrong, even if it's not good for me, mm-hmm. I will still choose to belong. So when it comes to like the kingdom movement and the church at large, it's creating this place where people can feel like they belong. Yep. And that is what the kingdom movement has provided for me personally. But it's like creating this environment where somebody can know that if I go and turn to them, I will not be judged. If I go and turn to them, I'll be shown love mm, in yeah. a way that I haven't felt before or in a way that I probably didn't get at home. Yeah. So it's like creating this environment where like people can openly be themselves and still be able to receive what it is they long for. Yeah. Because I think a good example of like real family is like Jesus. Jesus could have easily walked everywhere alone. And he could have been able to do everything alone, but he chose to have a community of people around him, surrounding him to lift him up in everything that he did. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, he still had people around him and he still had people he called friends because he knew the value of family and community. I think that's yeah. how yeah, that's, I see it. That's it, amazing. Yeah, and if you imagine that the creator God who desire, I mean, even the idea of making creation in human beings is this Mm. desire to be in community right Mm. so i think that's not only at the heart of who we are it's at the heart of who god is right Mm. he desires to be with us that's Mm. another biblical theme that we'll talk about but i think like you touched on a really good point everyone has a family yeah Mm. you can't exist in this world without a family so even that aspect of family you know it's essential to who we are because we don't exist without it Mm -hmm. um but our families can shape us in good and bad ways. The communities that we belong, because every single person belongs to a community. Mm-hmm. Even if that community has rejected them, their origin starts in that community. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, the brokenness we see in our world, the issues that we personally struggle with are all things that have happened within community. If that makes sense. Why do people reject the church? They reject a community that they feel has rejected them, right? Mm-hmm. Or why do people turn to the FD Park crew, right? <laughs> like you said, because those people, in a way, have accepted them. Whether they are accepting them for something they can get from them or not, whatever. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but, like, they feel accepted. They feel like this group of people has brought me in. They yeah. see me mm-hmm. for who I am. Mm-hmm. And they haven't turned me away, right? Mm. And I think when we talk about the love of God, the love of God sees us as we are, whether we try and hide it or not. Mm-hmm. And we often think of it, okay, if God sees me for who I really am, he's going to reject me, right? Yeah. That's when we walk away from God. Mm-hmm. But if we, as the community of God's people, his representatives, his image bearers, show that no, when God sees you, he actually wants you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that there isn't need for change, for correction, for growth, but it's done in an environment that says you will always belong here as long as you want to stay here, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think most people 
Um, if they walk away in an environment like that, they're walking away because they don't want to grow, yeah. if that makes sense. But we as the church have to be really, really careful because our side of the kingdom movement or whatever is that we don't become so fixated on fixing people yeah. that we just become about, are you checking the boxes we want you to check yeah. in order for you to belong? Yeah. Um, it's a more, we have to always remain a community that says, you will always belong here if you choose to stay here, right? Mm. Because we're never going to give up on you because we don't believe God's given up on you. You know mm. what I mean? And I think that's really, really important when it mm. comes to what is the kind of family culture we're trying to create, right? Yeah, yeah and I don't know if this question is coming uh, about like how the kingdom movement family has impacted our life. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But I just feel like what you guys were saying, you know, it kind of resonates to what I experienced, you know, in the kingdom movement. Because I was just this uh, kind of lonely wolf, you know, and just going through these bad things, you know, and even thinking about, you know, taking my life, you know, and everything. Because I was just so alone, you know. Mm. So I just found this really big family great family you know that people who really cares about me you know people who someone would call me like hey what how are you you know how how is, how is everything going and everything you know and for me that kind of came and changed me you know in the sense like i'm not here you know, i'm not alone here you know but I have someone i have a group of people who you know i can relate to you know but also that really really cares you know and they whenever i go and share something you know they will really first listen and whatever they will say to me it's not because they want me out of the family it's not because they want me to yep. feel to humiliate me or anything you know mm -hmm. but it's because these people really really care about for, yeah. me, for me you know and whatever they say it's because they think that's a very important thing for yeah. me and that mm -hmm. those are very important steps for me to take and i think that's if you can get anything out of this conversation all of us i think it's where is our heart's posture? We talked about that in the last one. Mm -hmm. Is our heart's posture for the good of that person? Mm -hmm. Or is yeah. it in... Because the reason why we stand in judgment over people, I would say 99% of the time, is to make ourselves feel better. It's a yeah. heart posture to put ourselves in a place of superiority to fulfill the needs of our own insecurities. Mm -hmm. But if we as a community can be vulnerable to be okay with our insecurities, mm -hmm. not to say, you know, we don't need to change, but to say, I am insecure in this. I recognize that, but I'm not going to stop that, allow that to stop me from loving you or to tearing you down because that really isn't building me up at the end yeah. of the day. You know what I mean? And I think people are desperate, desperate to find community where they can be themselves in the sense of, I did this, this, if you really dug deep into my heart, this is who I am or this is what I've done. And for the, the person at the other end of the table to look them in the eye and say, yeah, that's not great, but I still love you. Yeah. Like we can do yeah. this together mm. we can work through this together. Mm. It's not the end of you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's the beginning of healing. It's the beginning of transformation because I think most people don't want to stay where they're at, mm. but they don't know the way through yes. as well, yeah, you know? Um, and I think unfortunately, both in the States and I'm sure here, the church at times has failed to love people where they're at yeah. and wanted to, you know, stand in judgment over them, whether they recognize it or not, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's 
you know, silly things like, are you wearing the right clothes? Yeah. Mm. Are you chewing gum in church? Yeah. You know, are you putting on the appearances yeah. that make you look spiritual or holy? Mm. Even, you know, the idea of this man of God kind of situation. Yes, I do believe a pastor is in an authoritative position, but Jesus makes very clear what that authoritative authoritative position is it's a servant to all yes. mm. and a servant really is meant to lead by example right mm. so if the man of god is unwilling to be vulnerable himself the yeah. the sheep the flock or whatever are going to struggle to be vulnerable as well yeah. so if we put these guys on pedestals or women on pedestals and view them as perfect beings or extra holy or whatever mm. Like, one, we're setting them up to fail yes. because they're not. Yeah. And if they can't be vulnerable because if they're vulnerable, then it's a failure of their position, mm. which isn't true, but that's how they would view it. And then, two, it creates this idea of, like, um, if you're not this, then you're not holy yeah. or that God doesn't yeah. want you or you're not spiritual or whatever, mm. you know. So, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, but I think part of the solution is not to critique and criticize yeah. only I think sometimes those things have to be voiced but it's more to show a different way yeah and that yeah. starts with us right yeah. it starts with let's just be a different kind of family mm -hmm. and people will see that that's what they really actually have wanted their whole lives yeah. right yeah. Um, and I think I'll let you guys talk but <laughs> later on I'll share just how that really became the hope for me is yeah. that it wasn't just a concept but a reality but yeah do you have any other thoughts um so you said something about like how the church is so fixated on people's actions yeah. rather than like their hard posture and stuff i was watching a video yesterday i think it was by jackie hill yeah. and she was speaking on her book the gay girl good god yeah and she was saying that she's writing the book to make people understand that my salvation has nothing to do with my actions um, my salvation has everything to do with the fruits of the spirit you'll know i'm saved through how my heart is and how i show who god is through my actions and stuff and she was saying the church is so fixated on are you wearing the right clothes are you doing the right thing and are forgetting about the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. and they look at people who wear the right clothes but don't show the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. and often forget that that's what salvation mm -hmm. is about and i think that's like a big thing on there because in places like that where you have to do something in order to gain people's trust in order to be seen as somebody that can be accepted into family a lot of people run away mm -hmm. because it's like you want to change me why because mm -hmm. it's not from a place of love it's like mm -hmm. oh if I go to church, they're going to tell me not to wear this. They're going to tell me I need to change this. They're going to tell me not to do this. But forget that they don't see the love that is coming from yeah. the church anymore. Yeah. Because it's no more from a place yeah. of love. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I want to ask a probing question quick. But I think some of that, too, on the church's end has come from this idea of, like, some of the things that they want to correct, let's just say, use that terminology, isn't wrong, right? Like yeah. some of those things are unhealthy in people's lives, but people can't receive that until they know that you love them, yeah. right? Exactly. And if we start with correction before love, yeah. people can't receive even the good things. That It's the idea of the pearls to the pigs. Mm. You, you're throwing something valuable to someone who can't receive it, right? Yeah. And until someone can receive what you're trying to give yeah. them, until they can see the value of what you're holding, because mm. a pig can't, 
honor a pearl, right? It sees no value in it. It can't eat it. It just spits it out. Um, until they can see value, then people can't receive what you have to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jesus isn't calling people pigs in that scenario. Yeah. He's saying you're throwing something valuable to, to something that can't receive it at the moment. But um, what my question I want to maybe present to you guys is why do you think um, we as the church, I'm throwing us in there as well, right? Why do you think we struggle in getting these two things kind of mixed around? Does that make sense? Mm. So like, um, why do you think we at times fail to love first and we kind of focus on maybe correction? Yeah. I feel like the first thing is that it comes with the fact, with the control thing, you know? With control, uh, I don't know if it's objectivity is the right word, but the fact that we kind of, the, the way the world works is like, for example, for you to be worthy of having this amazing job, what do you need? You need to have this really amazing uh, diploma from this really mm. good school, you know, and then you need to know you have this experience with this group of companies, specific companies, you know, and then you gather all the things to be able to get this amazing position, you know, that you want, you know. So it's a merry, um, like married thing, you know, you have to deserve something, mm. you know, and I just feel like it comes from that. We are kind of like taking that and trying to apply in our Christianity, you know, in the sense that, you know, for you to deserve heaven or for you to deserve, you know, uh, salvation and all those things, you know, you have to dress like this, you have to do like this, and you have to do this and this and this and this, you know, and then you that, have to fit the part basically. Exactly, that excludes the hard work, the work that we need to, which is love, you know, which is like mm. a choice and a hard thing that you have to do, you know. So that brings a little bit of comfort for us, like, oh, I don't have to do a lot of things, you know, I don't have to yeah. go through this hard work, you know, just choosing to love this person, you know, even mm. though the person did something, you know, first not just go and tell him, no. This is you're wrong but first showing him love and then coming it was just this yeah. dance that our mind you know it's not used to you know so we just go to these practical things you know like hey you have to dress like this and do this and that and that and that and then when you do the, all those yeah. things then you're holy then you are this and then you have all these yeah. titles mm-hmm. you're a man of god and everything yeah. so i just feel like it comes from that yeah for sure yeah for me i think it's um like a misunderstanding of who god truly is Mm -hmm. so like from a young age i was taught that a christian looks like that a christian does this so i thought i had to be perfect in order to Mm -hmm. come to god so Mm -hmm. when before i understood who god truly is when bringing somebody to the kingdom i also reflected that on them and it was you have to be perfect to come to god Mm -hmm. without actually saying you have to be perfect to come to god so it was difficult to love somebody before correcting them. Mm-hmm. So it was before I can love you or before I can show you the love of God, you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it was it's just a wrong understanding of who God truly yeah. is in my perspective. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's so that's so visible, you know, <laughs> out there, you know. Uh, I remember like back in time, you know, I would feel much more easy, much more like, you know, compelled to show love to someone who's dressed like this you know for someone that it's clearly i can clearly see that the person is christian you know then from someone else you know out of that you know thank god that changed in me you know but that's how i would do you know because because of what what you're saying you know we have just this perspective you know that people who deserve love you know first the person has to you know act this way and then that's the that's how we give love no that's great um 
I think you guys are touching on some really, really important things. And like, even I'll just give a, a personal example that's it is hard. And I think there is a not a caveat, but there is this idea too that people have to be willing to receive. So Alita Renter, one of our teammates, she preached the message on the prodigal son this last mm-hmm. Sunday. And she made a really, really good point that the son had to recognize where he was at before yeah. he could go back to the father. Um, if you don't know the story, read it. It's in Luke 15. <laughs> but it, it's this idea that the son had run off, done what he wasn't supposed to, right? He had basically scorned God. And it wasn't until he recognized where he was at that he could go home, right? Mm. And so I do think we have to understand that there are people who have run away from God, yeah. and they have to wake up to where they're at before they can even recognize that they need to go home. Yeah. Um, but the point is, just like the older son in that story, we celebrate when those people come home. We want to partner in what God's doing, not just stand outside and be like, really, God, you're going to let that guy in? You're going to let that guy be a part of what you're doing? You're going to use him to reach people? And I think, you know, even walking on campus to kind of bring it down to our situation, there are people in FD Park that if I'm operating from my default posture, I go, ah, I don't really want to talk to those guys because they don't want to have anything to do with what I have to say. But in reality, the heart of the father sees them as lost sons and daughters. He doesn't see them as people he wants to reject. I think this is the biggest thing. God does not see those people as people he wants, he desires to reject, right? And we can at times see those people as people we want to reject Mm. because they are so foreign to us. What they're participating in is so repulsive to us. Maybe we see the destruction of the life cycle. We see them sucking other people into it and it can Mm. cause us to be angry almost, right? And the heart of the father is to say, he doesn't like what they're doing. He doesn't like the destruction that's happening. But his solution to that is not to say, yeah, too bad, you're, you know, you your luck's run out and I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. The the solution of the father is to say, I want to restore a relationship with you because only in relationship with me can your life really bring life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so he sees them as lost children. He doesn't mm. see them as people to reject. Mm-hmm. And I think in order for us to see people in the right way, we have to see them with the heart of the father. Yeah. Not as people that God is ready and willing to reject, but it's people who need hope, right? Yeah. And it may just be some of that is taking the scorn, the mockery that those people can throw on you because they're yeah. going to make fun of you. Like when I go and talk to them, they laugh. I can see their smirks in the yeah, background like, oh, bro, this guy. But the fact that you're even willing to put yourself in a vulnerable position and say, I don't care. Like I want you to know that God loves you. I want to pray for you. I want to see what's going on in your life. Not there to, you know, preach hellfire to them or say you need to repent of what you're doing to say what's really going on because those people are in that place because something put them there right i think that's important to remember they no one chooses to be an alcoholic no one chooses to be addicted to drugs no one chooses to be an abuser right at the end of the day something happened to them that pushed them into that corner of darkness that they can't see their way out anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the person that the only way that they're going to get out is if someone, you know, Jesus is called the light of the world, right? Yeah. Only if the light of the world steps into the darkness. So you have, the light has to go into the darkness yeah. to help yeah. people find a way out. And I think we have to view that as our role as well. Jesus yeah. is asking us to partner in that. Yeah. Um, but if all we see is we have to clean people up before they can even see the light, yeah. like mm. we got it backwards for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
And oh. one, 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 one story to remember the book we were reading. Uh, he was he was talking about the what is that? Uh, about the story of the um, uh, the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. You know, he was talking about that story, which is this guy you know who fell in the hands of uh, or who robbers. Violated, yeah robbers, and then they beat him and everything. And they come these two people who like a part of his community who, was, who would be the person the perfect people to help him you know but none of these people help him you know people who like were part of his community but then this come this thing this person who's kind of an enemy you know mm-hmm. who never want to be close to him who never wants to just you know help him you know and then that person is the one who helps him you know is mm-hmm. the one who takes to this best hospital you know and then pay for everything and say like I'm paying for the treatment now, and if there's anything else I will need, I have to pay. I will come and I will cover every yeah. cost, you know. Mm-hmm. And then this guy went up. You know, he, he, the author of the book brings the perspective in the in, uh, in this guy, you know, who wakes up, wakes up in this good hospital, you know, like I would never afford this thing, you know. And I know the last thing I remember someone beating me, you know, and then coming. Now I'm here. I'm like. You wake up and then he sees everything and he just kind of fell over. I'm like, how am I afford? I'm gonna yeah. afford all these treatments, you know. But then someone says, hey, this person who's your enemy came and paid everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, just imagine that shock, you know, like what? Someone like that helped me, you yeah. know. Someone that I would hate them, you know. I, would, I wouldn't want to be part of their part, yeah. part of their family, you know. And then he goes out you know and then he start helping people you know like yeah. you know what i was i was almost dead i thought i was dead but this person who i didn't deserve his help i didn't deserve his he you know his money and everything but that person came mm-hmm. and helped me you know so that's why i want to share this love you know with yeah. other people you know and i just feel like it comes with that you know also you know with that humility of just realizing you know I was kind of an enemy of the Christ, you know. Mm-hmm. I was kind of enemy of this family, you know. Mm-hmm. I would do things, you know, that destroyed me, but also destroyed my relationship with God and everything, you know. But Jesus Christ came and died for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And now I'm here. I can enjoy this life. I can enjoy the peace that he gave me, you know. So because of that, I want to go out, you know, just share love, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to go out and just be part of this person who does this love-giving person, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we have that humility you know when we become that humble we start realizing that the first goal is not just to go and judge them you know and mm. everything but the first goal is to go and share this love you know with yeah. the people that's the first uh, responsibility that we have you know so i just feel like that helps me whenever i'm going to a campus you know whenever i'm meeting people you know yeah. just like have this compassion you know just like no man i didn't deserve this love you know but then i have to share this love because yeah. someone died for me yeah i think um kind of to bring it back to the family uh at the end of the day what jesus is calling us to be as his people is a family that reflects that kind of yes. love towards each other yeah. and part of you know the exciting thing about that is it's not even always that when we do something outward focused like to someone who doesn't know the lord people on the outside if we really live like that right like we really take care of each other we really actually care for one another's lives it's not just like an obligation we have or mm-hmm. something we attend you know yeah. um but we really are a, a type of family 
people see that and they recognize it's something they want to belong to. Yeah. Why do people act like that? Why do people take care of yeah. each other? Mm. Why do they go way out of their way to help each other mm. or pray for each other, or check up on each other? Like, I want to know more about that. And mm. then inclusion into that family creates the opportunity for them to experience who Jesus yes. is for yeah. themselves, right? And that's, mm. I mean, that's the whole dynamic of what we're trying to create with, with Kingdom Movement is people come and it, it's an invitation into family, into mm-hmm. community, so that people can experience Jesus for themselves. Yeah. Because once they experience him for themselves, I don't need to convince them. I don't yeah. need to like yeah. break out the 12 points of apologetics yeah. of why you should mm-hmm. believe. You know, once they believe, they're ready to receive any sort of like theological training or better yeah. understanding of who Jesus is. But they just want to know that Jesus loves them before they give a rip about like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? There are people who are intellectual that want to know like okay is the bible really true can mm-hmm. it, is this really worth my time and you can have those conversations mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i think people want to know more than anything are they loved by this god that people yes. are talking about and yeah. does that community actually reflect that love yeah um so maybe to wrap it up because i don't want to run too long how has the family within kingdom movement or the family within like god's people how has that helped you you know what i mean you specific maybe i'll start with a very brief story for me um, the the thing that kept me in my faith, I had an encounter with Jesus, radically transformed my life, but it was the community, especially the two youth leaders that I had, that literally I knew if I called them at four in the morning, they would get up and make me breakfast and like let me in their house because they so loved people in a way that made people think that they were weird, right? They, mm. Like people's parents would be like, oh, I don't know about these guys, right? Because <laughs> like people don't love like that, yeah. right? But they loved me and my friends and kind of our whole group to the point where I'm like, this is what it's about, right? And that mm-hmm. helped carry me when I had to leave youth group and I went to Bible college and I lost that kind of community. I felt adrift for a bit. Mm. And, you know, when I look at churches and I look at ministry, um, I just felt like, man, this feels more like a business organization mm-hmm. than it does a family, right? Mm-hmm. And you were when you were talking earlier, it actually made me think of that dynamic of the merit earned we've we've organized our church to be a business rather than a family Mm. but when we went to mozambique and we were part of that ministry during our training i it just made me realize that it was possible Mm. like i knew that this is what it was supposed to look like but i didn't know if anyone was willing to actually do it you know what i mean and then when i saw that it was possible and it really did produce the kind of fruit that i had always wanted in that kind of community uh it just made me know with confidence like if we do this in Botswana it will work I'm doing air quotes with my fingers because you know it's what Jesus modeled wanted his people to model and when we model it that Jesus didn't just have a ministry he didn't just have a teaching he had a model of what his kingdom was meant to look like right and when we follow that model it produces the fruits right Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me seeing it come to life in Mozambique really encouraged me to be like no this can work anywhere you know what I mean Mm -hmm. for sure for me well you want to go for it okay so for me uh, I was as I was saying before you know one of the biggest thing that this idea of a family you know just having group of people really trying to become a family you know is just first it's just Bring, it brought this sense of belonging, you know, mm. and for some reason, you know, I've just met God's love in the middle of the family, you know, yeah. that I was part of, you know, the kingdom movement, you know, I, 
I went there. I, I was I was born in a Christian family and everything, you know, and I would go to church and everything, you know, just what you, what you were saying. Yeah. And I would dress, you know, I would have a haircut because in Mozambique, part of the code, you know, to become yeah. a good Christian is to have a specific type of haircut, you know. I'd have that haircut and everything, you know, just to try to fit in, mm-hmm. you know. But it's when I met this group of young people who really, really loved God, you know, who really didn't matter. External, you know, appearance was not the thing that was more important, you know, yeah. but love, you know, and caring for one another, you know, and the correction that came in in that, you know, that it was not as like destructive, destructive yeah. correction, but it was a love based correction, you know. So for me, finding that community, finding people who are living just like that, you know, yeah. it changed me internally, you know, it helped, it helped me with the bad things that I, bad thoughts that I had, you know, with taking my own life, you know, and then it just showed me God's love, you yeah. know, and also it just made me belong somewhere, you know, yeah. because I just feel like that's one thing that I was really looking for, you know, I, I was living with my aunt, with my uncle and everything, you know, and I couldn't belong there. I didn't feel like I was belonging, you know, there, you know. But just having this group of people that really made me feel like I would belong. I would, I would even, like, we had this place and uh, we were renting, you know, and we would spend the night together, you know. And uh, we called this space, you know, Tino Movement Space, and would rent there. We were, the movement was thinking about if it was our office. And most of the times, I would, most of the night, I would spend most of my nights there, you know. Mm-hmm. Spending time with all these group of guys, you know, that really loved me, you know. That's mm-hmm. how I was so in love, you know, yeah. with this mm-hmm. community. And I just felt that a lot of people who are in the campus ministry really are really looking for that, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Are really, really, really looking for a place where they can belong, you know. Mm-hmm. And what you said right in the beginning, you know, we, we belong somewhere. Either it's a good or a bad place, you mm-hmm. know. We try to fit somewhere, you know. Sometimes we know this place is bad, you know, this group of people kind of bring bad influence in our life, you know, yeah. but because we're looking, we want to belong somewhere, yeah. you know, yeah. we just be part of that, you know. For sure. And for me, thank God I met this amazing family yeah. and I <laughs> belong to them. And then now we're here in Botswana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And family, healthy family always grows, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. It always reproduces, like mm. a healthy marriage, uh, well, unhealthy ones can produce kids, but healthy marriages produce healthy kids, yeah. right? And those kids produce as long as they're staying on the family uh, DNA and dynamic, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's what that's what the uh, just what the Bible says in in book of Acts, you know, Luke, you know, it just says like these people were living this way, you know, were yeah. doing these things, you know, were living as a family, as a, this amazing community. And what was the result of yeah, that? God, God multiplied every mm. brought every single day people who were being saved, you mm. know. Yeah. And that just summarizes. Yeah. Mm. All right, Tiama, close us out. (laughs) So um, with me, I had just, when I met the kinder movement, I just moved from South Africa back to Botswana. So I was in a place where I spent most of my, I want to call them formative years, where I'm growing into who I need to be and Mm -hmm. I'm discovering who I am. I'm no longer living under my parents' wings. I'm now my own person. And I didn't know anyone because it's just a new environment. I had been coming home for like two weeks max. So it was like, I wanted somewhere to belong, but I also wanted somewhere that would help me grow in my faith, which was very hard to find. But then I met the kingdom movement and 
in finding that family i found and understood god's love better mm-hmm. i think that is it for me because i struggle a lot with being vulnerable i've always struggled with being vulnerable but seeing other people living out the love of god and understanding that in this environment i can be who i am mm-hmm. and nobody will judge me for who i am and they will correct me in the right way i won't be scolded i won't like feel like i'm nothing in this mm-hmm. place it helped me grow tremendously in my faith yeah. as well because now i was learning to be vulnerable with god as well because everything they were reflecting and everything they taught me in family and relationship i could apply to my christian walk in my relationship with god yeah. i think that's the biggest thing i took from it it was it gave me a blueprint of what a relationship yeah. with god could yeah, look like yeah, if i actually open up to him yeah. and if i chose to live in love and understand his love for me that's so, awesome yeah. yeah and i think we'll continue to hear many many testimonies of that right yeah. and uh just for you guys as well our heartbeat for kingdom movement is to create that community that's yeah. loyal to each other mm-hmm. you know that has each other's backs so that we care about each other uh hierarchy in the sense of we want to create disciples that create disciples we want a family tree right that you can look back and say oh that's my granddad in the faith right you know (laughs) maybe he's 28 years old but he's uh the granddad (laughs) um and just have that that mutual love that mutual respect that mutual wanting to grow together right um and so we're excited we're excited to see what god's going to do we believe that family is so so important in the dna of what we're trying to create but i think we've uh I don't think we've covered it all, but we've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Catch us uh, next episode. Bye. 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 Hey, everyone. This is just a brief reminder that if you've had a question come up from this discussion or you just have a question in general that you want to ask us on the podcast, uh, now is the time to do it. We want to make sure that we get these questions in for the end of the season Q and R. Uh, And we cannot wait to hear your guys' questions, to read them, and to be able to respond. But we can't do that unless you send them to us. So make sure if you're a part of Kingdom Movement already, you can personally message us your question. Or you can send them via our Instagram. And we will make sure to read those. And hopefully we will answer your question on the season finale question and answer, uh, question and response episode. All right. Thanks, guys.